Hello, and welcome to the uh, the Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and we've got a pretty good show lined up today. I've got uh, uh, a global reach here on the show, and my guest today is actually uh, coming to us from Lisbon, Portugal, or just outside of Lisbon. Um, Daria Vodopanova uh, is the co-founder of the Thought Leadership Academy, and just in some preliminary conversations, uh, I, I'm absolutely enthralled with what uh, what she does. I mean, she's uh, an internationally renowned speaker, um, two-time TEDx speaker, uh, best-selling author. She's trained literally thousands of coaches uh, in thought leadership. And this is the thing that I want to pay particular attention to here. What in you? We hear this term a lot, thought leadership. So I wanted to have Daria on the, on the show because she is you know, one of the world's you know, experts in actually positioning leaders in organizations to step into that meme. And, I, and I'll just use it as a meme <laughs> in one sense, because a lot of people don't know what it really is. And I wanna have an opportunity to talk about what that is because the implication of that for how you lead your business and how you actually work is actually pretty significant. So Daria, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's good to have you here. Um, just real quick, the only question that I typically will lead with in the show is, is a pretty simple one. When you hear the, the phrase, the soul of business, what does that evoke for you? Kind of what does that bring up? And, and how, is it, uh, how does being a thought leader kind of fit into whatever your answer to my question actually ends up becoming? It's a great question. And the soul of, of a business uh, in, in alignment with thought leadership for me is about finding that true, unique, secret recipe of yours. And I truly believe that we all have it, no matter if you are a coach or if you're a leader, if you are, you know, entrepreneur or entrepreneur, we have done something in our life and we have some experience and we have, you know, our environment, our choices, life choices have led us to become someone with this unique DNA that only we have. And I truly believe that if we can understand and unpack that secret recipe of ours and share that with organizations, share that you know, with teams or with clients or community, even our, our, you know, our members of the people living around us, if we can start sharing more of that, we allow innovation to appear. We allow more co-elevation to happen. And for me, that's the reason why I'm so passionate about it because it's, it's something we already have in us. We all have that in us. And you know, that soul is basically connecting your alignment, connecting who you really are and your your DNA, your zone of genius, your way of creating, you know, a step-by-step, -step. you have gone through something, you've done something, you created some amazing results. And I'm thinking of an example of one of my clients that had, we was working with 200 people in the organization of his. And he said he had never, had in five years, he had no one leaving the organization. And I said, that's amazing. How did you do that? And he didn't even think about it because it was so natural to him. So actually going back and understanding like what's the step-by-step -step process? What did I do differently? What's my framework? And how can I teach other organizations to keep their talents? That's for me is a good example of it's your zone of genius. It's your true nature. Normally you don't even know what you're doing because you don't think about it. It's so natural for you. But if you can go back and step back and say, 
oh, this is what I'm doing. It's your soul. It's nothing that you're making up. So it becomes something that you can share. And the more you share that, the more contribution you feel. So I think it's when you find that, oh, this is really me. When you speak from your heart, you speak from your natural zone of genius and you align that with your business. There is no making up. There's nothing you have to pretend it's you and it's completely you and you can grow into that mastery. And that will normally attract more people that you really want to work with and want to create more impact. So now, I, I like you know, your, your language around zone of genius. Um, you know, the, the language that I would use around that and actually have worked with uh, and the leaders that I've worked with is authenticity. Um, yes. But I, I hear you speaking about zone of genius and it's the same sort of thing. That is where my, um, my, my genius actually resides is in my authentic self. It's in that authentic yes. self. So <clears throat> when you're, you're talking about this as an individual leader. That, yeah, and this is kind of a leading question because I've got an answer to this, but uh, uh, when you think about the soul of business, that, um, that, uh, that, that seat of genius, does an organization have that as well? Oh, absolutely. And I think that we can, we can nurture that and we can, we can create space for that within organization by having a culture that allows for creative thinking to allow and, and culture that creates, you know, space to fail, which is not, you know, space to play, space to explore, um, to, to really be more flexible in the way we are creating. And really creation for me is a keyword, creation, play, innovation, allowing people to step into like, what would, would it happen if we do something differently? And as an organization, if you nurture that, and if you really allow people to grow into that, within the organization you don't only talk about entrepreneurship but also about thought leadership because you can create that you will have natural you know tendency of going you will have people showing and and wanting to share more if you empower them to do so you know that victor frankel and i'm gonna there is i'm gonna connect the dots here victor frankel uh is famous for a whole lot of things yeah man's search for meaning is the book that he wrote that uh, uh is just an absolute classic uh, but he at one point said, in um, and I'll just quote this directly, um, between stimulus and response, there's a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Now, it's, you know, the, the focus point here has to do with that space mm -hmm. between reaction and response. And in my experience, most organizations are highly reactive. Um, and, and what you were speaking to just a moment ago had to do with creativity. And I, when I read that passage, um, and I'm doing some work uh, with a leadership mindset mastermind right now, and this is one of the areas that we're you know, spending some time with is that space. Um, and I started looking at improvisation, you know, you know improvisational comedy, improvisation just yes. as a theatrical uh, thing. And Jonathan Winters, you know, the, the uh, um, incredible uh, comedian, uh, was a master of improvisation. And he was asked why it was so important. He says, well, imagine that you're going on stage for an hour by yourself, and you have to hold an audience of 2000 people. And it's all improvisation at that point. Now you're going to have some idea of what you're going to be doing and businesses do leaders do. But you can't expect everything. And it's, 
how you yeah how you fill that space yeah uh, that's important and it can be reactive or it can be responsive it's if it's responsive and this is where i think your your work in thought leadership is really important and the work that you do with the coaches that you work with it's about tapping into that zone of genius so that you are appropriately and creatively, and I love the word that you used here, co-elevating the conversation and the activity so that mm. something different can happen. Something different can happen. So Absolutely. And um, yeah, go ahead, please. It's funny that you mentioned improvisation. My co-founder, uh, my partner since 10 years, he, he was working with the with improvisation he was actually uh, an actor and also teaching improvisation so we have influences of improvisation within our academy we do a lot of role play we do a lot of what happens and and one thing that i love about improvisation is that there's a rule that say yes and you never say no so if someone comes mm -hmm. with a with a, a suggestion you don't decline that, you say yes and, and you add to that. And one of the key principles of thought leadership is adding to the conversation. Yeah, that, I love that. <clears throat> and, I, and I have taken some improvisation training uh, and, 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 and that, that point, it's always an and, uh, yes. which it's additive, it's generative. And one of the, one of the beautiful things about improvisation, and I'm, and I'm kind of you know, focusing in on this, yeah, it's consistent with how I define leadership, co-creating coordinated movement. There's a co, you know, that, that dynamic of co-creation. I have to be vulnerable to do that. I have to be willing to step into the unknown because that's where the invitation to participate together actually exists is in that, in that liminal space, that unknown space. So when, when you're working with um, your clients, um, both as individual coaches yeah, that, you're, that you're working with, but also with businesses. What are some of the greatest challenges that you've run into in keeping them connected to what we're calling or what I'm calling the soul of business? First and foremost, many of them, they don't have a bigger vision for, for themselves. And that's something that sometimes we forget, you know, those key principles that change our own lives. For me, my own experience with the 10-year vision a couple of years ago, I think it was four to six years ago, completely shifted the way I feel about the soul of my of my business because it's aligned with my bigger 10-year vision and beyond. And what I've seen for many leaders is that they don't, don't really know what's the bigger mission they're on. And it doesn't mean that it's a plan or action plan. It's more about what do I stand for? What is my core values? What do you, what do I really care about? And how can I get more of that into my business and into my organization in the way I'm working with my teams. And that's one of the core things I start with when I start working with them. It's the step number one forever we do. If you don't have an understanding of what's your inner compass, what do you really, really believe in? And how do you want to create a physical reality out of that within your organization, within your impact and you know whatever you do, then it's going to be hard to work together because it's going to be short term vision is going to be short-term goals which we don't want to have so for me that's the core start with finding as a leader who am i what i stand for because you can stand grounded and you know what you stand for and you you don't have to you know be the leader because you're already comfortable in your position for what how you want to show up for your team and how you want to show up for your clients so that's the first yeah. thing i will start with <laughs> And so it, it actually circles back to authenticity again. Yes, yeah, just, yes. And, you know, it's, 
this is where thought leadership for me starts to come into play. And, you know, I've got my own kind of take on it. And I don't think it's that dissimilar from what you're talking about. How do you define thought leadership or being a thought leader? So for be being a thought leader is being able to really add to the conversation. I believe that we spoke about that before, you know, adding mm -hmm. yes and, but it can also be that you might have a contradictory idea within the, the industry and that's fine. You might be, for instance, I can give an example of my own is that I, I don't believe in online courses. I, I truly believe when you start with, you know, in, in helping as a coach, when I talk, work with coaches, for instance, um, I empower them to create other ways of service than online courses because of uh, the actual transformation that happens in other ways of serving like group coaching or masterminds like you're doing. Um, that's one way for me to, you know, haven't studied, haven't worked with this, haven't tried out things, seeing that I don't see that that's the best way to do it in the industry. And that's fine because there are other people who might think differently. Allowing yourself to say, I will stay, stand out of the crowd and I might rethink my position, but I'm willing to get out of the, the crowd within my industry and think the same as everybody else, just to think the same. And not just to be, you know, in confrontation, but have your own ideas, read, listen, in, in explore, experiment, you know, improve, and then see what is it that I want to add to the country and say, I want to go and I want to add to that. And what, where do I go in another direction? And being okay with that as a leader, because if you can, if you want to be a thought leader at some point, you might stand alone a bit in your ideas and that's completely fine. So I think that that's the first thing I would say um, about thought leadership. Thought leadership is having innovative ideas or ways of, uh, of creating. And it doesn't mean to be completely different. You, you are still going to stand on the shoulders of the giants because you always learn from others as well. But there is something different in the way you either deliver it or either, you know, the framework or maybe there is a philosophy that you have differently. And that is going to be a core of what you, what you really stand for in terms of your frameworks. Beautiful. We're going to come back in just a minute here. I want to pick that thread up because what we're talking here has to do, again, something that you'd mentioned earlier, uh, that zone of genius where there's a uniqueness that I bring to the table that I, I can't ignore if I want to be, have, and do all that is possible for me. So we'll be right back. Uh, guest today, uh, Daria Varapanova. Uh, we'll come back and we'll pick up this question about how, how do you actually become a thought leader in your own organization? I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become 
a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business. That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link. And there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind Program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Um, I am your host again, Blaine Bartlett. Uh, my guest, Daria Vodopanava. Uh, Daria, uh, when we took a break here, we were talking about this zone of genius, this, yeah, being uniquely me and the, the, the seduction in part, and I'll use that word very specifically here because it's, it's easy to fall into this trap, uh, is to go along to get along. Um, I mean, so when I, it's, it's a, when I'm thinking about the soul of business, it's easy to lose my soul. It's easy to lose, mm. uh, to, you know, and I, I'll even use a phrase here to sell my soul in service of that next big lucrative business deal. That, that thing that, uh, uh, if, if I'm close to survival, uh, as an example yes. here, here's the life ring. And oh, by the way, in order to grab that life ring, you have to give up this piece. That's, you know, being true to myself, being authentic requires hard, difficult choices. And running a business is, is actually, uh, you know, it brings that into stark relief for a lot of people very quickly, particularly on the startup phase of a business. Yeah. That unique gift that we talk about that is mind and only mind to bring you know, in, to light in the world. Yes. How do I reconcile in your experience with the clients that you've worked with, how, how does that reconciliation take place where I don't lose myself and at the same time, I don't lose my company? Yes, very important question. And that's where I believe a lot of rising thought leaders get into an, un, you know, and into something that they're really not sure about because they want to scale fast. They want to get on TEDx. They want to do, you know, more impact. But then somehow with all those, you know, big goals of creating a book or writing something new or creating a podcast, they get lost and the business not running. So we have a three stages that we take them through we, in, our, in our company. The first stage is really making sure that you have a sustainable business. It's more a business strategy we work on. What is your you know, core messaging? How can you create an offer around that? How can you serve your clients? How can you work with a B2B, B2C? Very straightforward profit and not, take, say no to clients as well. It's not about you know, just going after the profit and going after the shiny object or something like that. It's about how can you Stay in alignment with your true soul, your true purpose, your true vision, and be of the highest service for your clients. And here's the thing. Many times coaches come to us and they are in begin they work with only 10% of what they can offer. We like to stretch them and say, what would happen if you go give 10 times more of yourself? Not of your time, but of your expertise, of your knowledge. What would happen if you would solve bigger problems for your clients? And if they solve bigger problems for the clients in the way that the clients want to have that delivered in the service, usually that's the jackpot. That's where, they, that's where we meet between feeling that we are really valid for what we do. We can work you know, two times per week. Usually that's, that's what we are aiming for that they do. They deliver two, two days per week. 
And the rest of the time, they can develop the thought leadership. So that's the first stage, really saying, how can I find a way to give 80% of my current expertise to clients who really want that and who are willing to pay for that? And then when they have that, when they have this two days per week consistency, we work on time, giving them the back the time. Because if they are in this, you know, working, working, working and try and get clients, they don't think and they don't have the time to really be the mind artist. That's like, like the way I like to call them. It's a mind artist. They need the creative space to think, to develop themselves. So in stage two, we work on getting them, you know, delegating, getting the team on board that understands how to work with a thought leader. It's a very different approach than having a business uh, support because they are there to support you like a mind artist that you are. So having a team, delegation, having a structure and, and starting to create space for you to think. We talk about uh, think tanks, you know, really having think, there is a, some people do think weeks, but I would yeah. say that 30% of your time you should be spending actually thinking. So in the week, you spend maybe two days a week just thinking. And what does that mean? You develop frameworks, you develop methods, you develop your ideas, you develop content, you develop anything that is your zone of genius. We come back to that. How can you stretch yourself and your expertise? And the third level is really working on your impact. So we develop communication skills. We develop how you are on stage. My partner has done four TEDx. So we work on TEDx format. We work on improvisation. We work on how can you show up as, you know, in communication, which is one of the most important skills that you need to have. How can you feel that, okay, I have this idea. I have worked on them. I have a business that's running. How can I now master the skills of communication? So those are the three stages. I love that. Um, you know, one of the things that I particularly uh, picked up on there as you were talking is this, this, this middle stage. Thought leaders need to think. When you say it in that way, it's kind of like, well, yeah, have, yeah, duh. But a lot of thought leaders, you know, it's kind of like, well, that's just something I step into. No, you yes. actually, there's, a practice, there's a practice involved with it. And that has to do, you know, uh, one of the better books I've read this last year, um, and interestingly, COVID, uh, kind of shut down on everything, has kind of facilitated this. Um, but it's a book by a fellow by the name of Ryan Holiday, and it's called "Stillness Is the Key." Stillness is the key, and he mm. became a New York Times bestseller. Uh, and it, the whole focus of the book is on what is stillness. And what happens when you find ways to be still? Yeah, and, and he's not talking about meditation. Uh, he's literally talking about quieting all the chatter that goes on around me so I can think. And think yes. not just with thoughts going through my head, but actually think. What does that mean? Where does that come from? What would that be about? Where, you know, those sorts of thoughts are the kinds of thoughts that allow me to begin to imagine. And, and part of this, yes. uh, the, the stillness is accessing imagination. And as far as I can tell, imagination is kind of laying at the threshold of the soul. And it, it is the gateway into the soul. Um, because when I'm letting my imagination go, something else is speaking to me. Yes. And that's the thing that I want to tap into. Um, do you have practices that you encourage your people, your, your clients, either organizationally or individually to, to, to work with 
that allows them to become more in uh, alignment with their imagination or more comfortable playing with their imagination. Because for a lot of folks, you know, imagination is equivalent to daydreaming. And that was yeah. drummed out of us when we were kids. Well, stop daydreaming, get focused, get, a, you know, get serious here. Mm -hmm. I need to be able to imagine. Yes. So how do, how, yeah, we, what, how, how do you work with that? Great question. There are several ways we can work on this. One that we do together as, uh, as with our members is visioning. We do a lot of vision work and embodiment. I truly believe that you, if you can see it and if you can start to, you know, see that in your vision, you, if you feel it so present, you start to expand your creativity and what you think is possible because many times we limit ourselves because we think well that's not possible or I cannot do that and and there's a lot of restrictions but if you allow yourself to really go into the space of what will I do if I could not fail what could I do if I could really extend you know and if it would be possible and if we could go 10x this and I think bigger. So the first thing we do a lot together is anchoring those feelings. So we embody we do a there's a lot of theater work involved and we play a lot and we, 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 we want them to feel the creation as something completely natural. No matter what age we have leaders coming in from, from big companies, very successful companies, and we bring them back to creation and play, which is our natural state. And that means that they are, they are writing, they are sharing, they are, uh, you know, shouting, they're visioning, just really feeling that, that there's a space for creation. So that would be the first thing that we do. Another thing we do is to, to really help them to, you spoke about space, create space in their agenda. We really help them to start blocking out that time, blocking out days, blocking out weekends, blocking in afternoons, just to have a creative work going on and whatever that means. It might be one very simple exercise that I tell them to do if they are having a busy schedule and they cannot go from you know having full days directly is to take half an hour after every meeting, every interaction to just write down whatever came out from that. Just let themselves see what's coming up. What, what am I feeling? What, what ideas am I coming? Can I reuse something of this? Is there a way I can plug this into any other idea and start to map out ideas within the space of their thought leadership? That's something very simple to do. Half an hour per day or after each meeting, just sit down and say, huh, I didn't think about this before and this came out. So after this conversation, I might go into my mind maps and look into improvisation as being something I can go further on because we had this conversation. And there's a quote that I love that says, ideas come from contribution or contradiction. And I truly believe that the ideas are born in this conversation with our community, with the clients, with the books, what we are reading. And then we see that, oh, there's something different or there's something I can add to this conversation. And going back and creating this space that you mentioned before to actually say, oh, this is what's going on. This is what I feel, what I think and write it down or put it somewhere and come back to it and revisit it and go deeper. It's a really easy way to start. Those That's, are two I, ways. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. You know, you, you mentioned conversation and I, and I want to you know, focus in on that for a reason. Um, my authentic self, you know, this core, the soul of me, the soul of my business, uh, I have a relationship with it. Yeah. And 
for most and for many, I'll say, I will say most for, you know, we, that relationship is clouded. You know, we don't really have a clear relationship in terms of, uh, you know, being able to tangibly, as you're talking about it, touch it, feel it, smell it, taste it, uh, you know, that, that, that whole embodiment of it. And what I hear you saying is that it's through the use of conversation whether it's in written form or whether it's taking a walk and just ruminating, you know, just kind of thinking yeah. about it. But yeah, conversation is the lifeblood of relationship, as far as I can tell, yeah. without conversation. I mean, the conversation is the relationship. Yeah, we don't have conversations about relationship. The quality of our conversations are the relationships that we have. And what I'm hearing you say, uh, in, in part, is that we need to be uh, intelligent and we need to be mindful about practicing high quality uh, conversations with our souls. Yes, exactly. Creating this space for those meetings with yourself. And that can be just half an hour, just taking that, you know, blocking in our schedule, the half an hour after each meeting, to just sit down and the way or another, think about it and reflect. Can we just go in for a walk and just creating that space after a meeting or after a podcast or a, a client work? just to see what came up. What has have I heard before? This seems to be a, something that is a repetition to my conversation. Is there a way for me to maybe pack this into an IP? Or is this something new? Maybe I should go deeper into this. Maybe I should, I should revisit the book. There is always clues in every conversation that where should we go next? And exploring that is part of the creativity. Yeah, yeah, where do I go next? Yeah. I, I love yeah, the idea of exploration. And this kind of goes back to the whole zone of genius uh, conversation here. How do I access innovation? Well, I get, I get curious. Yes. <laughs> I get curious. Why did I say and that? Why I, did that? Yeah, go ahead, please. If I can just add one more thing that we can do to, cre to stimulate creativity is to shift environment. It's really important that when we are a leader, when we are a founder, we and we are busy and we are we are working and we have the family duties and we, there's so much in our life and we are might feel that we have to be responsible for that. We kind of forget that. Well, if I want to access that thought leadership, I need to create not only the space in my schedule but space in my my physical environment, and that means just going away and doing something that you will never do. Maybe going on a retreat or going for a hike or doing something completely different just to stimulate your brain to be in another way of creativity. Maybe using your hands more if you're thinking more. Just doing something completely different. It really stimulates and it connects the dots in your mind and your brain and it creates new ideas. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned physical movement. Um, Anat Baniel, who's a very good friend of mine, is a... Uh, she, as a matter of fact, she was the only student of Moishi Feldenkrais, um, you know, the Feldenkrais uh, method. Anat has done amazing things with children, particularly infants, um, that are uh, physically disabled or have some learning disabilities, but she does it through movement. And mm. the point I want to make here is that movement rewires the brain. You know, there, there's, a, there's a kinesthetic component to how the neuron, the neurological structure in the brain moves and works and, you know, and creating different circuits and different pathways. And where this gets interesting is you know, like, I get up and take a walk. I mean, I'll go out and I'll walk in nature for about an hour every day, just to get away from the desk, just to get up and move. Um, and it's not something I've always done. I've always been close to nature, 
but I find mm -hmm. that nature is just a phenomenal muse. I can get out and I can look at things and, yeah. and it's in the, the, the communing with nature to, to wax poetic here just a bit uh, that I begin to see connections that I haven't seen before in my work. It's kind of like, you know, that's an interesting connection to make. I wonder how that you know, reflects back here. So the point I, I guess I'm making here is the thinking is, is non-disciplinary. It's not, I'm, I'm not thinking about business when I'm on the walk, I'm, I'm thinking. And, yeah. I'm, and I'm letting my mind wander to connections that seem to be appropriately present in my, in, uh, yeah. in my awareness. And, and that's kind of the, uh, uh, the idea here again of improvisation. Yeah, there, there's space yeah. here, what gets connected. And there's um, the concept of focus and diffuse, if you have heard of it, uh, where mm -hmm. we focus, we have a thinking focused time and then we diffuse that and we allow the brain to, to wander, to go any direction. And then, like you mentioned, nature has, is very powerful. I, I live close, close to the forest and the, the ocean here. And for me, it's something that you go with my co-founder and my partner, we go for a walk and we talk and then things come up and, and we get these great ideas because we took time off away from the PC, away from our natural in the office and, and just allow that to come up, allow, you know, in those conversations, things appear naturally without you having to force. It's in the flow of creation. Yeah, the flow, getting in the flow. Yeah, I love that. We've been talking to Daria Vodopanova, uh, co-founder of the Thought Leadership Academy. Uh, she's based in Europe, uh, Lisbon, Portugal, actually. Daria, how can folks find out more about what you are up to, what the Thought Leadership Academy uh, uh, is doing and how can they get a hold of you? Well, the easiest way is to go to dariav.com. My, my surname is very long, so we made it very <laughs> simple for you. So dariav.com and you'll find all the information. All the information. Is there anything that you're up to right now that you'd like to have folks pay particular attention to? Right now, I'm, I'm really focused on supporting our founders, our members through these times. I believe that right now we are getting very, very intentional for the last upcoming months. It's easy to feel overwhelmed with the news or Christmas coming up. And, you know, there's so much that kind of reconnect with our visions. We are all uh, reconnecting with our visions. We're reconnecting with our true alignment and soul in the business. And we are taking purposeful conscious choices forward. So that's, that's what I'm working on at the moment as we speak with our members. Okay, wonderful. Folks, again, you've been listening to uh, my interview with Daria Vodopanova, co-founder of the uh, Thought Leadership Academy. Um, this is Blaine Bartlett. You can find out more about what I'm up to at uh, blainebartlett.com. I do want to invite you to um, go to that website. You can pick up a free ebook, uh, Tapping Into the Soul of Business. And it kind of gives you, uh, you know, not, not so high a level, uh, but it gives you an overview of what the soul of business can actually uh, be about, what it is actually about, and how you can actually tap into it. Um, so please go ahead, blainebartlett.com. Uh, you'll see it right on the, uh, the front homepage there. And again, Daria, I want to thank you very much um, for joining us today. Uh, this has been a wonderful interview. You're, you are absolutely delightful, and I love the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. It has been a true pleasure and I'm really grateful for this time together and connecting our soul visions, soul businesses in this co-elevation. Great.
Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.